Well, hello, Rise Guys and Rise Gals. Uh, uh, welcome to Mad About Mad About You. I'm Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And we've got a mini-sode for you this week. We'll be back to uh, regular full-length episodes very, very soon. But right now, something special. Uh, we have a guest with us. John, you want to talk about our guest a little bit? Uh, yeah. Uh, our guest is... N- <laughs> I don't know how to talk about a guest. You don't know how to talk about I was a gonna, guest. It's a very technical dossier. Our guest is uh, Mariah Gates. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's her name. That's Yeah. Uh, she uh, does social media for... Uh, the first thing you want to do when <laughs> you talk about a guest... Uh, I sound is, like I'm pitching a candidate for a job. <laughs> ...is get their name right out of the way. You know how when they bring on a guest... Uh, Wait, really? No. No, it's uh, not. That's why I, felt, I knew it felt weird. <laughs> generally speaking, it's just like, hello. Okay, so first things first, this person is Harrison Ford. And now we're going to talk about them, and then uh, then we'll bring them in. <laughs> I just got an on-air lesson. You're right, though. Okay, let me do it again. Uh, we, we're very excited. We have a very special guest with us this week. With no name. <laughs> uh, she's sort of a film... Connoisseur. Connoisseur, in many ways. Mm-hmm. And uh, we found each other on Twitter uh, when the Mad About You revival was uh, being, being talked about. about. Yeah. yeah, because um, she was very excited about it. We were very excited about it. And uh, I saw that she does social media for, like, Twitter Classic Movies, as we know, one mm-hmm. of my favorite channels, mm-hmm. uh, Filmstruck, Noir Alley, um, and we started DMing, and uh, we got her on the show. We're lucky enough to get her on the show. So, uh, welcome to the podcast, Miss Mariah Gates. Hello, Mariah. Hi, thanks for having me. Absolutely. Oh, my God, that, I'm so glad we did it correctly. Thank, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being here. Oh... Uh, well, yeah, thank you so much, Mariah. So, uh, so you work at, uh, at Turner Classic Movies? I do, yeah. I've been there for just shy of two years. That's very cool. Uh, Oh, sorry, doing the social media, so, um, it looks a lot more glamorous than it is, but I do get to, paid to basically put pictures on the internet, so that's fun. Oh, and great pictures of old movies. (laughs) Um, yeah, so you're a big mad about you head? Oh my god, yes. So I I watched the show when it was first on. I was a child. My parents do not recall this. They were like, you watched the show? And I'm like, you were in the room. So I don't know where they were. Their heads were elsewhere. But I watched the whole thing. And I used to make jokes all the time about how when I was in my 30s, if it wasn't like Mad About You, like I failed. And that (laughs) they set up expectations. And I'm a cat person, so I would never have a Murray. But like, you know, basically. Same. Um, And then a couple years ago I was hitting 29 and I realized that I 28 29 and I was like oh my god I need to rewatch Mad About You and make sure that I have like a set list of what my 30s should be like (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I rewatched the whole thing and I started it on because FX was showing reruns um but then I lost cable and then I was like I don't know how to keep watching it and then thankfully I think because of the Sony hack the Sony (laughs) hack complete series came out and I was like yes um, because I remember you know in the emails there was that whole Paul Reiser trying to get the yep. rest of That's right. yes. out on TV and everyone was sending me this article going like Mariah you're the one person who wants this <laughs> yeah, I mean this is I why I'm not happened. so mad at Kim Jong Un <laughs> yeah and then it happened and so I watched the, I watched my way through the, the whole series again right before my 30th birthday and um, so far it's been two years and I have not hit any of the milestones that I should have hit. What are the milestones? Are they mad about you specific milestones or just like normal milestones? Yeah, I had a, oh my God, I had a list and I already closed the tab. (laughs) I had a list of like, here's the things. Um, Because at one point I was going to write an article about like, about this, but then I didn't. Um, But I mean, obviously I don't have a dog. I'm not married. I don't live in New York. I don't have a, a place where I'm a regular where they say my name wrong all the time. Right. You know, it, it tricks you because it's such – people are just like, oh, it's such a, a, a realistic show and it's so true to life, right. the relationship. So this must be what life is like. And then when you have a life that isn't exactly like that, you think you're doing something wrong. It's it's cool. It's cool. I used everybody's, to have a same, Everybody's doing great. <laughs> I, I always have tried to strive for cinematic 
qualities in my life. Mm-hmm. It's like a disease we all have or y- something. Yes. <laughs> People who like movies when they grow up want to live in them. <laughs> Speaking of movies, um, so yeah, there are there are a bunch of old ones. Yeah, we want to talk about all of the different oh, old found, movie references. I found a list. Oh, please. You did, great. I, know, we I didn't. Okay, this is the running list. Uh, cute meat at a newspaper stand. That has not happened. Oh, yeah, you got that. that uh, I bought that's a couch, ticking. but I had it delivered by Ikea, so there was nothing cute. A couch or a love seat? The couch or the what? <laughs> a couch or a love seat? Uh, it was a couch, so that was totally failed. So there you go. Oh, man, two strikes. Uh, it was one of those couches that turns into a bed, but I could never get it to turn into a bed, so it was really, why did I spend an extra $300 to have a bed as a couch when I only used it as a couch? That's not bad, though. Um, Even if it doesn't work, yeah. it's a good deal. <laughs> Then, uh, let's see, I never read the newspaper with somebody. Oh, um, I do, I've done that. I do play board games with people, so I, there's one. That's there good. There you go. Okay. Um, I only come home to a cat, so that's not great. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's great. I love my cat. Um, <laughs> therefore, all these other ones don't happen because right. I don't share bed with anybody other than my cat, and I don't talk about work with anybody other than my cat. Right, right, right. Um, What's this cat's name? Nobody cooks for me. Um, I do make classic film references every day, so I've got that one. And I've never taken a long weekend trip other than by myself. Really? Yeah. Interesting. A long weekend trip other than by myself. And then the last one on here, because this is when I stopped making the list, just says cinnamon toast. (laughs) (laughs) So you may have just gone into just like uh, just a shopping list. At the end of okay. There must have been an episode where he, one of them makes the other one cinnamon toast. <laughs> yep, I think so, yeah. Yes! Paul makes, you know, I'm going to make yes. cinnamon toast to make your head spin. I That's think. right. Or either there that or yeah, something yeah. like that. That's when I stopped making the list, I guess. I was like, I can't do any of these. Well, that one you could do. I mean, I've made my own cinnamon toast. Boom. It's true. There you go. There you Check. Go. Cross yeah. that one off. <laughs> I do love the idea of that being the straw that broke the camel's back. Just you've got this long list of yeah. things and then just like cinnamon toast. Oh, forget it. <laughs> yeah. I'm hanging it up. <laughs> <laughs> so, I don't even know where to begin. Like, I'm a, I'm a big old movie buff. I, something tells me I know 1% of what you know. I'm gonna be a little outside my outside my depth. Yeah, that's out a, of that's my depth. A, that's a phrase. Yeah, yeah, and I can't wait to drown. <laughs> um, so we. I know less about old movies, right? But uh, I, I I I know a little bit. So uh, we're only on the podcast. We've only made it through almost the end of season two. Now we have one episode left. So uh, we've basically gotten old movies injected in the show through like Paul's Paul's workplace. Mm-hmm. Uh, what's the name of his first editor? Uh, was it, it, I keep on wanting to say Mac, but it wasn't. It's not Mac. I'm not sure. You remember his first editor, who's got all those old, like, Hollywood stories about directors that he couldn't have possibly worked with? I can't remember his name. Yeah, me neither. Poor guy. Yeah. <laughs> Poor character. <laughs> Mitch, maybe? No, you're no, thinking I'm of thinking of Hitch Baby. Hitch baby. You're thinking of, yeah. <laughs> Mitch maybe rhymes with Hitch Baby, and that's where you got stuck. And those are very straightforward references, usually, like Citizen Kane, you know, Hitchcock movies. Everyone knows those. Uh, And then they go to a movie rental place a lot in season two. Well, a couple times. um, Yeah. Where we get a little dose of what they watch at home. And then they're watching movies at home, so we'll hear... An old movie in the background, and I'll usually struggle to try and figure out what it is for about an hour. Right. Sometimes I'll get it, and sometimes I'll fail. Uh, and then suddenly, there's one episode where we go back to Paul's childhood bedroom um, when Bert has a heart attack. Do you remember that? Yes. And we see the posters on his wall, and it's the mouse that roared. Yes, I remember being really excited because that's one of my favorite Peter Sellers movies. Really? What is this uh-huh. movie about? Oh my god, The Mouse That Roared is such a weird movie. Um, It's a fictional country that's having like a coup, I think. And, um, or they're about to declare war with the United States, something like that. I think it's they're declaring war with the United States. And basically shenanigans ensue, and it has Gene Seberg in it, pre-Breathless. 
Oh, I'm drowning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I love it. Throw me a lifesaver. <laughs> Who, who's J- Gene Seberg? Uh, Gene Seberg's the star of Jean-Luc Godard's Breathless. Oh, you know, I've never seen a single Godard. Oh, well, there you go. Ever. <laughs> you wouldn't know Gene Seberg. That's her most famous uh, gotcha. role. Uh, she also was in Bonjour Tristesse with uh, David Niven. Uh-huh. It's an Otto Preminger film. It's really good. I just saw she's in a movie called Kill, 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 Kill. Have I, I have not that? seen that one. <laughs> that sounds good. She plays Emily Hamilton. Oh, and she's in Airport. Okay. Oh, interesting. I know the American Trash movies she did. Yeah. <laughs> 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 um. So the mouse that roared is a uh, is a a a. I only know Peter Sellers from uh, Doctor Strange Love and the Clouseau. Yeah, the party where he plays. Yeah, Indian. I have not this seen this. This is the party. like early, early him, and um, the director actually also did like Creature from the Black Lagoon and The Incredible Shrinking Man. Oh, oh wow. interesting! Um, so he's a but horror this is one of his non like sci-fi or a sci-fi guy, right? Titles. Yeah, so his, his director is Jeff Arnold. Um, he's great. You should watch all of his movies. I haven't seen a Jack Arnold movie that I didn't like. He did a movie. <laughs> He did a movie. <laughs> Listen to you. Where the name of the movie is Boss and then the N word. Uh, well, I have not seen that one. That's not great. <laughs> well, let's get into it. No, and it's not the first. It's not the oldest credit on his resume. No, yeah, yeah, this is. Nineteen seventy-five. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. A lot of these directors, towards the end, you see some of the films they worked on, and you're like, what? Well, Frank and Pimp's Revenge, the Romeo and Juliet. Oh, he, that was just that was just a special thanks. Never mind. Special. <laughs> I looked like that was his last his last film was Frank and Pimp's Revenge, but it's not. Oh, that one, that one he directed that we're not going to say the title um, was written by Fred Williamson, so he wrote it for himself. Interesting. Oh, interesting. Oh, it's well, sort of like a black exploitation western. It looks like it because it's the seventies. Sure. Yeah. Oh, well, now I want to see it. Well, yeah. <laughs> We're going to love this movie. <laughs> um, is it, is the Master Ward like a take on fascism or communism or anything in the way that like um, I, Duck I Soup is? is? No. I remember we, my middle school did it. It's a play. Really? Yeah, it's like a kid's play too. Huh. Are you, are you sure? Are oh, you sure it go. just doesn't so have the same title? it's a take title? on the nuclear arms race. Oh, then I'm not sure. Sh- oh, this might be an allusion to the old medieval story. But Maybe. No- yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> we didn't do nuki plays in school. <laughs> gotcha. Um, yeah, so it's it's sort of like um, all the little small countries that had to pick between the Soviet Union and the United States kind of thing. Interesting. But a lot of that doesn't quite make it into the movie. That's more the book. Oh, there's a book. There's a book. Do you read the books of the movies often? I, I try if I can find them. That's um, impressive. Sometimes I read a book first, and then I discover that it was turned into a movie. Right. Like a uh, classic. And I'm like, oh. So you're both parts Helen, I mean Jamie and Paul. Yes. The literary and the filmic. Now, lots yes. of I know lots of people typically tend to prefer the you know you always get you always hear oh the movie wasn't as good as the book now you are a big time film lover uh, which do you tend to prefer the movie or the book well, so that it always depends like some books um, I've read and I'm like this blew me away and then I watched the film and it blew me away in a different way so um, I'm trying to think of one I saw recently that oh well okay I've been talking about this movie a lot so apologies to everyone who's tired of me talking about this movie, but um, it's called Maurice, and um, it's by James, or James, it's by uh, Ian Forster, and then the movie came out in 1987, and it's a James Ivory film, mm. and the movie is fantastic, and the book is only slightly different, like they change a few things um, in the film version to make it a little more cinematic, um, but both of them made me cry at the end, uh, so that's... All I really want out of movies and books is oh, to cry. Hugh Grant. <laughs> Very cool. Um, wait, what was I going to ask? I don't know. You haven't said it. <laughs> uh, oh, so like other movies that they talk about, they bat about in this 
So one I haven't seen, I'm dying to see. Robin and the Seven Hoods. So I haven't seen that either. And actually, we just showed it on TCM. And I happened to be on a work trip. And I missed it. And then I forgot to catch up with it because we have the Watch TCM app. And I was going to watch it on there. And I just totally messed it up. Um, So I have no idea. But I do know that I've seen really great promo photos from it. And I, I just saw a documentary on Sammy Davis Jr. And it had a scene from that film in the documentary and he looks amazing in it so now i'm really bummed that i missed it well paul gets so excited when he finds it at the rental place so like because they're trying to get their sex tape back right and he gets so just he's like oh honey robin of the seven hoods yes <laughs> i i don't know about this movie at all it's a rat pack movie right it's a rat pack like movie. oceans 11 that's really all i know i know that i every time we show it i'm like i should watch it and then i haven't so, I mean, you can't kind of, watch them all, right? <laughs> you can't watch them all. Um, what it does have, though, is it also has Bing Crosby, which is... Really? Um, he's not in most of the, uh, obviously, Rat Pack movies. No, he he's not. Um, it also has... Peter Falk? Robinson, Jack LaRue. Yeah, it's got, like, oh my Barbara Rush. It's got a bunch of people in it. Is it okay if we stop this right yeah, now? Yeah, we so have to watch, watch this it? movie right now. Oh, my God. And, um... <laughs> Alan Jenkins, who's one of the great sort of that guys of the old Hollywood era. This is one of his last films. Really? Wait, I don't know who Alan Jenkins is at all. Yeah, if you Google his face, you'll be I'll like, oh, yeah, that it. guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seems uh, like he was no, that guy. No. <laughs> That's weird. I expected that to happen. Oh, I love the front page. I was just on Broadway. Billy Wilder directed a version of the... Oh, see, this is the... Sorry, I'm spinning off on tangents. <laughs> the way we do in the podcast. Have you seen the front page film? I've seen the original. I haven't seen the Billy Wilder version. Oh, it's a remake. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Right, because it plays um, it was, from like the 20s. It was remade twice. Uh, they also remade it as my as uh, his Girl Friday. Oh, right. Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. that's right. I've heard that. yeah. Oh, God, this guy's resume is insane. Oh, I love he's Ball of Fire. everything. Yeah, he's in everything. This guy is, has the career that uh, I, I fear all. Sure. <laughs> Keeps sure. me up at night. Yeah. Garbage man. <laughs> Cop. <laughs> Vermin. He was un- uncredited in It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, which is impressive because I thought everybody was credited in <laughs> yeah, It's a yeah, Mad, 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 Mad World. Yeah, the credits are 20 minutes long. I love that movie. Have you seen that? Oh, yeah. It's one of my all-time favorite movies. All-time favorites. Look at that. It's one of the probably the 10 funniest movies ever made. It's so hilarious from start to finish and it's so long that you wouldn't think it'd be so funny the right. whole way it's another one i've got to see have you um do you go to los angeles for work um yeah i actually used to live there oh really did you ever go to the yeah. um hollywood museum on um highland and hollywood somehow i never went in there <gasps> oh. i lived there for three years it's in the old max fact the original max factor building the lobby's still all this it's all marble and you go through the different uh like hair dye and makeup rooms where, like, Lucille Ball got her first red dye job and Marilyn Monroe got her blonde dye job. Like, the real rooms. But when you go upstairs, they have the miniatures that they use to shoot the final scene of It's a Mad, 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 Mad World, where they're all on the fire escape. That's really cool. It's unbelievable. So um, I actually interviewed Stanley Kramer's widow a few years ago. Really? And yeah, her name's Karen Sharp. She's really great. She had a, a little bejeweled purse shaped like a coconut to go with the movie. <laughs> and um, she said the reason the movie's so funny is um, one night someone was telling him, like, you're such a good director, but like, I don't think you can do comedy because he had done a lot of dramas at that point. And he was like, I'll make the funniest comedy ever. You just wait. And then he made one of the funniest movies ever, basically on a, on a bet. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. People like that blow my mind. Just, just like when they when they decide to, you know, the, the the Beatles used to do that where they were just like, oh, let's let's write a swimming pool. Right. Is what they would say. <laughs> really? Then, yeah, they would literally do that. Just be like, oh, we got to come up with something. Well, let's write a swimming pool. Is that literally what they would say? Yeah, that's a yeah. fun phrase. They heard they heard um, they heard somebody say that. Uh, some song by The Who, I think I Can See for Miles by The Who, uh-huh. was the hardest rock song that they had ever heard. And Paul McCartney was just like, oh, I've got to do something better than that. And then he wrote Helter Skelter. <laughs> wow. Yeah. I mean, 
Uh, yeah. I don't have that in me. No, me I, neither. I get very, very uh, defensive and uh, de- depleted and defeated by other people's success. <laughs> <laughs> I get insecure to the point where I'm not trying to surpass them. I'm just like, let me see if I can do something comparable. Sure. Which is That's semi-productive. Good. Yeah, there you go. But it would be nice to have the size of ego where I could be like, I'm going to blow them out of the water. Right. <laughs> but then, boy, if you don't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see what else comes up. Oh, what? Oh, have you ever seen Son of Pale Face? No. So I was looking this up earlier. I haven't seen either of them, mostly because I'm not a huge West. Bob Hope fan. Oh, Bob Hope. But it sounds like yeah. But it sounds like um, Paul must be because he keeps renting movies with Bob Hope. Wait, what them. else does he rent with Bob Hope? Um, from the Seven Hoods. No, that was Bing Crosby. Never mind. Oh, that's it so far. I was getting them confused because they were the Hope right, and Crosby. Oh, Crosby. sure, Hope and Crosby, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've never seen a single Road to Blank. Me neither. Can you believe that? Oh, oh, I, I marathoned most of them once. And some of them are really funny, and some of them are, like, just not as funny. Sure. <laughs> that sounds about right. Um, but they, they definitely, I like, uh, like, they break the third wall a lot in um, third wall, fourth wall. Who can, who can keep track? Four, Whatever, four, 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 yeah. Yeah, they bring the fourth wall a lot, um, which is fun. I love when there's a... You ever see a... Oh, boy. What are the... You know the Groucho Marx movie? The Groucho... Oh, boy. The, Marx the Groucho Brothers? The Marx Brothers? <laughs> you know, yeah. The one uh, yeah. with Captain Spaulding that's set in the Long Island estate the entire film? Oh. Animal you know, Crackers, Duck Soup. Is it Animal Crackers? I don't know, I'm listening. I don't remember if that's that or the circus one. But no. there's a moment where he t- Groucho's... It, it, it's one of their first films. So essentially they would just set a camera in place and then the scene would play out in front of it. Like no one's moving anything anywhere. It's like filming a play in a house. <laughs> and there's a joke in there that bombs. And he looks straight at you. And says, what? They can't all be funny. <laughs> and it's so surreal. And I saw it on the big screen in L.A. And it's just like, he's talking to us. That's really funny. It's so, I love when they break the fourth wall in old movies. They become real. They become like human again. I remember seeing a Marx Brothers thing in college where they, they were doing a spoof of Eugene O'Neill. Like and his his asides ah. and his long drawn out stage oh, direction. Oh yes, yes. Where yes. he's just like he's in the middle I've of a this. scene. Yeah, he grouches in the middle of a scene. Uh huh. And then he steps out and just kind of monologues to himself. Uh huh. In the style of and I oh that oh, might be the oh, same film. You know what he said? Yeah, because he even says like, "Pardon me, I'm about to have a strange interlude." Yes. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, Animal Crackers. It is Animal Crackers. It's, it's yeah, Captain Animal Spaulding. Crackers. It's Captain Spaulding. Yeah. Hooray for Captain Spaulding! <laughs> oh. I love it when you sing. Really? Yeah, it's at the light oh, every time it happens. sweet. Because you're always seeing weird stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's one of my favorite albums on Spotify. There's a Marx Brothers album. Of course it is! <laughs> so, there's actually a film version also of Strange Interlude, since you mentioned it. Oh, that's hmm. really weird. Because um, it's like from 1932. It's kind of an early talkie. And it's they do all of the um, voiceover, like the things that would be interludes as voiceovers. Oh, wow. It doesn't quite work, but it's one of those real great oddities of early sound cinema where they're like trying things. Wow, we're looking now. Clark Gable, Maureen O'Sullivan. Wow. Yeah, it's it's weird. It doesn't quite work, but they tried. <laughs> sure. I mean, that is. When was the first talkie? Thirty. Uh, nineteen twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. No kidding. Jazz singer. Yeah. Jazz singer. Yeah, I love these. I I used to hate old old old. I, like, my mom still loves old movies, but she hates the 30s ones. I love the 30s ones, though. That's so funny to me. Just, I mean, you guys are, you're in it, and your mom is in it, <laughs> just to be oh, like... 27, actually. Jazz Singer's 27. That's unbelievable to me. That's crazy. Movies moved so quickly, it blows my mind. Yeah. No one had ever well, made a movie. Well, they had a whole 30, 30 years of movies before sound. Although there was, like, synchronized sound in a lot of those early silence, and, um... Alice Guy Blachet was was doing uh, synchronized silence to records in the teens, where you'd play the record and it was like they were talking. They, oh. would, they would move their lips to their words? 
Yeah, they, it would be like uh, mostly it was songs, so they would sure. lip sync the songs uh, and then record them playing, and it would kind sync of. like that. Wow, that's really something. That's unbelievable. I had no idea. Yeah, but it was sort of you couldn't like it was impractical, so it wasn't until sure. they were able to marry the um, sound to the picture and send it all as one thing that the sound took off. Have you been to a live uh, silent movie? Um, have I? I have been to hundreds. Um, and I definitely All right, well, then I'll just go. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so many. I, I used to live in San Francisco, so I went to the San Francisco Silent Film Festival a lot. Oh, um, For okay. the last two years, I've gone to the Portanone Silent Film Festival, which is in Portanone, Italy. It's about wow. an hour northeast of Venice. It's a very small town in the middle of nowhere in northern Italy, and it is an eight-day, nothing but silent movies wow. from eight in the morning until, oh, like, 1 a.m. <laughs> Holy cow. That music must be rattling around everyone's heads. Like, yeah, it's mostly, it's mostly films that you won't find anywhere else. It's things that have been discovered in archives, recently re- restored, like... Thing. Like, so cool. I saw something last year that was so rare and re- recently discovered about what it was that it doesn't even have an IMDb, like, page. Wow. Because they haven't, like, the archive hasn't set one up, like, they can, Yeah, sure. You know? Um, <laughs> but it's one, it's one of those, like, you really have to be obsessed with silent movies to love it. But if you do love silent movies, it's the best silent film festival in the world. Um, I've only seen a couple. Yeah. Like, Metropolis... You know, the big ones. I saw that in San Jose, actually. At the whatever theater. Um, have you, have you ever seen uh, Buster Keaton or Charlie Chaplin on the big screen? I just... Do you know the Film Forum in New York? Yeah. I, yeah. They, they've been doing this Verite series. And they just... It's the first time I've seen Buster Keaton, so it's a weird one to see him in. It was a silent short that's 40 minutes long where he's... I think he's 65 or 70 years old. Wow. And he travels across Canada on a like a single rail car, and oh, it's wow. a silent short yeah, in yeah. color. That's it, though. That's all. I've, <laughs> that's all I've seen. That's all I've seen him in. But Buster Keaton's a good one to start for like the slapstick silent right. comedians. His his films are so wonderful. He made a bunch of great ones with uh, Roscoe Arbuckle, also known as Fatty oh, Arbuckle. Fatty, like, sure. He's, He's Arbuckle's actually my favorite of all the silent comedians. Really? Oh, interesting. Why is that? He well, one, his are he has a sweetness to him that I think the other comedians don't have, but also his shorts are really, really queer. Like there's cross dressing and all kinds of just really strange oh, stuff wow. that only only they get it gets the more I watch of his, the more I'm like, How did you get away with any of this? Well, our culture um, used to be very confusingly permissive compared to now it feels like. Oh, yeah. Like, you look at old photos of things and movies and stuff, and you're just like, what? <laughs> There'd be riots now. I like those weird yeah, little burlesque photos so of, like, just... Shirley Temple as a baby. <laughs> have you seen those? <laughs> I don't know. I Ugh. <laughs> well, or Mary Pickford, who played teenagers until she was 30, pretty much. Yeah, right. I do like the idea of using Shirley Temple as a baby as a stage name for a burlesque performance. <laughs> this is a very good name. <laughs> Welcome to the stage. Shirley Temple as a baby. Um, wait, what were we just talking about? Silent films. Oh, uh, slapstick. Fatty Arbuckle. Mm-hmm. Yes, I see. Uh-huh. I gotta see some. I've seen Laurel and Hardy. I saw two Laurel and Hardy shorts. They're good. They're very funny. Yeah. Um, what was the Arbuckle I was gonna recommend? Uh, good Night Nurse. Okay. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've, Find that one. I've said that a million times. <laughs> of course. <laughs> I think it's from 1918 or 1917, so it's about 100 years old. Uh-huh. Uh, but it is, you can find it on YouTube. YouTube, And right. it is so funny. Like, if you don't like that one, I don't think you'll like... Yeah, it's from 1918, so it's 100 years old. Um, if you don't like that one, you probably won't like what Arbuckle does. How cool. I love that there's like a litmus test for being a fatty fan. <laughs> <laughs> I can't wait to take it. <laughs> Uh, oh, you know, well, it doesn't matter. I could talk about this stuff forever. Uh, have you ever seen Cecil? I've never seen it still. Cecil B. DeMille's original Ten Commandments, the silent one. Um, have I seen that? It's, 
You know what? I don't think I have. I've seen a lot of his silence, but that one has evaded me. Oh, wait. Cleopatra. Was Cleopatra silent? There was a silent version with Peter Barra, but it's lost. The one I saw um, had talking. And then I think there's another, <laughs> like, I can't remember which actress it is that came a later, like a couple years later in the 20s. It's also Cleopatra. Yes. Silent. Oh, that is silent. You know, it's blowing my mind, Mariah, that I literally can't remember if the one I saw had talking or not. That's how good. Yeah. It says a lot about the images. Uh, what's her name? I, I'm looking it up because I have to know. We've talked about it on the show. Could have been Claudette Colbert. Yes, it was Claudette Colbert. That's a silent okay. one, right? That one is a talkie. Oh, I can't but remember it's the a talkie. Pre-code. It's a pre-code, so it's really racy. It is. Oh, She's wow. almost naked the whole movie. She's we saw pretty it. much naked, yeah. I saw it at, uh, they opened Grauman's Chinese Theater up for the 90th anniversary. Like the original real theater. And, mm-hmm. and they screened, uh, they screened Cleopatra. And there were all these, like, old, older, like, 90-year-old women showing up in, like, gowns. With, like, <laughs> like bejeweled gowns. And... That's, that's right. I remember you doing yeah. this. That's so cool. And then a bunch of millennials in shorts. There you go. Um, I saw this film called Mickey that was the highest grossing film of 1918. It made like $8 million on a $250,000 budget, um, which is insane. Um, It's not a very good film. It's it's like multiple short films sort of cobbled together. But at one point, the star and producer of the film, Mabel Norman, skinny dips. Like she like... Oh my gosh. And they do it, they shoot it just like from far away, you can tell she's naked. And then when it gets closer, like her... It's from the top up, but like she's naked, and I had to watch it a couple times because I was like, "Wait a minute, she is not naked." And then now I'm like, now I know why this was the highest grossing film of 1918. <laughs> like, yeah, right. <laughs> you know what, honey? I love movies. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Roman scandals. That's a silent with. Uh, isn't Lucy naked in that? Borderline. She has like a cloth draped across her body. Lucille Ball. I don't know it. It's like a, it's like an old like I don't know. It's like a Roman harem or something, and she's one of the girls. Sweet. No one. I've seen that one. No. I don't know it. You, you can keep. Yeah, looking I'm, at I'm me. working on a Mr. Skin website that covers <laughs> covers 1914 through 1928. <laughs> uh, what do you have any um, favorite movies that Paul mentions? Or like well, bad about you first too. When I was putting this together, like, well, there's like two what I wanted to mention. One, one of the ones that I loved the most was um, they make a joke about Glenn Ford in the episode. We're not, you're not there on the podcast, so I'm skipping ahead a little bit. But the episode Persona, uh-huh. which is also a oh, play on Mark Bergman's Bergman. Persona, um, the movie. You ever seen that, Russ? I have not. It's boring, <laughs> but also upsetting. Yeah, they like get her, their purses mixed up and they're trying to track Lisa down and they track her to um, therapy where they think it's her therapy and they, Paul asks if um, she's obsessed with Glenn Ford and then Jamie goes maybe um, <laughs> because she can overhear them talking about Glenn Ford and I love Glenn Ford a lot so when that reference popped up I was like yes that's probably me <laughs> yeah you could take that off the box yeah, off the list. that's true. Like yeah. Ford, check. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, the <laughs> film I noticed they referenced the most, which is not surprising, is Casablanca. Oh, um, sure. It shows up so much. Um, but my favorite favorite one is uh, except in season two, where they're talking about um, the first time, or it's their first second date or something like that. And he's like, and I showed you Casablanca for the first time. Yep. And then she says, you think you're the first guy to show me Casablanca. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's really funny. It's such a, this is something I discovered. I don't know if this is really true. This is just my experience and that joke. I, I think a lot of guys think of it as like a movie that's, that's, it's like the first like chick flick that guys like. In a way, we're like, oh, wow, like, we really are accessing, like, our romantic side, and, like, this is a great way to, like, connect with girls on dates. I don't even know if guys necessarily like it, or guys in fiction like no. it. They just know that women, they know that it's a romantic movie, that if they show it to women, uh, they will fall for them. Let me tell you something, Russ. Well, Mariah, you can attest to this. I, I'm very curious to hear your stance. 
when I, I went on a double date, again, to film for him, me and my buddy and our, our, both our girlfriends, mm-hmm. me and him sobbing, <laughs> both girls like, it was fine. <laughs> and my girlfriend was like, yeah, the woman has no personality. She's just shoved around by these two guys the whole movie and then forced on a plane. <laughs> I mean, what do you think? Is it a romantic comedy or like... I love not comedy, Marcus. but One like romantic. It's romantic, right? Favorite movies, yeah. It's it's romantic and about like the sacrifices the sacri- people make during war. Agreed. I mean, Warner Brothers at the time was making a ton of sort of pro-war propaganda movies, sure. and this really fits into that wheelhouse. Except that um, a lot of those other ones are like really gung ho on like battlefront war right, propaganda, right. and this is more of like you have to sacrifice your life. You know, yeah, your in personal multiple life. ways in order to win a war yeah. kind of movie. But it's also based on a play, so um, that's probably why it feels. I didn't know movie. that at all. I think I forgot that. Yeah, yeah it was on Broadway yeah, it was in based like on a play. 32. I mean, there was or actually a TV version of it in the 50s. Really? Yeah, I don't think it's a. I don't think it's available anymore. Like, I think it's probably. Ugh, yeah, the TV, lost all the TV the got lost. Old TV, but. Yeah. I found. I love, I love Ilsa. I think she she um, you know, she's a conflicted woman. But she yeah, is. So tell your girlfriend. Well, she is. But <laughs> yeah. I don't know if we get to see her perspective that much in the film. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And also. It's not clear why she's really in love with either guy. In a way, or I don't like. Everyone's very. All the cards are held close to the chest. I feel like in a sure. way in that movie. That's true. That's true. I well partly because you're coming into all of their stories late. Right. Yeah, I forgot how long that flashback is. Yeah, it's been a, when France is invaded. a while, and and you come in even in the flashback. The flashback doesn't include the cute meat or anything. That's the flashback true. Is in the middle of that's true the honeymoon, and so you never get to see any of that. But I think the chemistry between all of the characters makes up for the fact that you don't see how they got where they got. Oh sure, electric, oh. especially Bogart and Bergman. Like they're they're tough so to good. beat. What's your favorite? My favorite movie to ever reference Casablanca though is actually Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2 Secret of the Ooze. What? I yeah, knew I you were going to say that. I, I knew article. you were going to say <laughs> that. <laughs> What's the reference? Um, when they, they're moving and they're about to go to their new you know underground lair that's the old train station um, Michelangelo's wearing like the trench coat and everything mm-hmm. and he starts saying you know maybe not today maybe not tomorrow <laughs> but for the rest of your life to April mm-hmm. and then you know, he gets yanked down the Thing, but he's like doing a Bogart impression, sure. saying the lines from the end of the movie, and it, it's hilarious. And I had never seen Casablanca when I first saw Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles too, and then I saw Casablanca, and I was like, "That's from the Ninja Turtles movie." And my parents were like, "No." Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> now we're getting into my wheelhouse. So, <laughs> parents, <laughs> what is your favorite Vanilla Ice movie? <laughs> Interesting. I know mine. Is it this one? Is it? Is it? Is it? It's, Secret it's of the gonna Ooze? have to be. T, t, I mean, I um. TMNT Ninja t- Rock is. Is it Ninja Rock or Ninja Rap? Ninja, Ninja Rap. Yeah. Oh, I don't remember it's that a good song. Were you gonna say Cool as Ice? Are you a big Cool as Ice? No, fan? I was gonna say That's I My Boy. Seen cool as Ice. <laughs> what's What's That's My Boy? The Andy Samberg out of Sandler oh, movie. Oh, is it? Vanilla is he Ice that? has a huge part and is hysterical. <laughs> this came out like six years ago or something. Yeah, it's such a, I remember this. I remember that being a thing now. Yeah. <laughs> I'll have to... Oh, well, here I... Of all the movies that we've <laughs> talked about, I'm saying I'll have to check out That's My Boy. I'm the worst person in the world. Uh, <laughs> sure, maybe. Yeah, my baby. Uh, you, you live in Atlanta, right? Um, I do, yeah. What's the film scene like there? Like, um, in terms of not, watching. Having lived in L.A. for the three years prior to moving here, right. I got really spoiled. You can see anything. And this was before the Center family closed, so you could see anything oh, yeah. right. Right. all the time. Um, throw a rock and you hit a classic movie. Um, and I'm really jealous because, like, on Friday, all my friends got to see a nitrate print of Flamingo Road, which is, like, one of my favorite Joan Crawford movies. 
And I'm like, I don't even, I don't get to do that. And I work for TCM. This is not fair. Right. Um, but we have uh, the Plaza Theater just got purchased by the Atlanta Film Society. So it's, or the Atlanta Film Festival. And I don't know, maybe oh, those are the same things. But by a better company to run it. So they're starting to do more rep programming. And they're just going to do more and more of that. And then the Midtown, which is a landmark theater. And literally a six-minute walk from my house, which is why I moved where I moved, um, does a classic series where they do a two- to three-month um, programming every Tuesday, and they always have a different theme. So they did a film noir one last year, and they did uh, political movies during the election, and um, I can't That's remember great. what the last wow. one they did was. So they always managed to show David Lynch film. Like, I moved here, and then a week later, I was watching... Um, was it Mulholland Drive? I think it was Mulholland Drive. And mm-hmm. I'd seen that on the big screen before, but mm-hmm. everyone was like, how did you find a David Lynch movie on the big screen in a week? And I was like, I have skills. <laughs> yeah, people do that to me too. That's my first thing. Whenever I move to a new city, the first thing I do is look up the houses that play old movies. When I was Googling um, like Atlanta, and I was just trying to decide if I was going to take this job and move here, the first thing I did was Google Atlanta art theater or something like that mm, and yeah. the movie theater is literally called the midtown art cinema that's so, <laughs> so good it is really that's easy perfect to find. yeah and uh, they don't do a lot of rep programming but they'll do some like so that's how i saw maurice I'm bring maurice up at least four more times um because <laughs> the cohen media group did a 30-year restoration of it and so they played it and i got to see that they played it for two whole weeks so i showed it, i watched it twice um, but they, they get all of the great like documentaries and art house and um, independent and foreign films that you'd expect the Landmark Theater to get. So, right, it's pretty good. And then there's one called the Terra that um, also gets a lot of sort of indie films. Um, but that audience tends to be a lot older. So I'm like 32, and I'm usually the youngest person there by half. Sure. Right. Right. <laughs> Familiar feeling to me too. Mm-hmm. Well, that's how I felt when I went and saw Paul Reiser do stand-up. <laughs> that's exactly right. Yes. No, I mean, oh, God. When you go to film forum on a Tuesday afternoon or something at, like, 3 o'clock, it is <laughs> nothing but, like, retired people. Yeah, that's right. The working people are working. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I should be, too. Yeah. Uh, hey, I used to live in um, San Francisco and I was, when I was in grad school, so I had, um, you know, a couple days a week where I didn't do anything. And I would go to the Castro for their, like, 2 p.m. matinees. Ah. Two, two movies for $10. Um, and they would do them twice. It would be, like, two and four for the one first showing and then six and eight for the second showing, something like that. Oh, and um, I would always be, like, the only young person. Yep, yeah. But it was much nicer that way because then I got I always got the seat I wanted. There wasn't anyone, you know, making fun of the movie or, like, only there to be on a date. It was, like, people were right. there to see the movies. 100%. Plenty of hard yeah. candies to go around. <laughs> mm-hmm. I saw I saw Shortcuts at that theater in, like, oh. 2006. My first Altman. You ever see Shortcuts? Or I have not. I have not seen... That's a good one. I've barely seen any Altman, if any. I know I saw Popeye, but I, that may be where the list ends. Oh, interesting. I haven't seen Popeye. Yeah? Mariah? Uh, I yeah I saw it when I was a kid yeah. back when I probably didn't get that it was a Robert Altman film absolutely um, right. so <laughs> I don't know that I can say I've seen it even though I know I've seen it right 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 I'm gonna say it even though my circumstances are exactly the same as yours <laughs> because I'm grasping at straws so yeah I I've seen Altman I've seen Popeye uh, absolutely absorbed it loved it <laughs> so short shortcuts has Tom Waits in it. And I remember yeah. when I first rented it, I also rented um, Down by Law, not realizing that Tom Waits was also in that. And I did an accidental Tom Waits double feature. Wow. That's funny. Down by Law. Mm-hmm. Oh, Jim Jarmusch. Yeah. Yeah. It was I a good double feature, I must get say. get into him. Tom Waits is in a lot of his. Am I wrong? Yeah. He's, um, in, quite, he's in a handful, yeah. yeah. Oh, it's a jail movie. It's got Roberto Benigni in it. I love him. Oh, wow. I definitely recommend it. Oh, and Ellen Barkin. Recommend it. Interesting. Cool. It's good. Oh, Russ, you were curious about... Yes. So, um, John and I were talking recently uh, on the podcast, 
what do you think about the work that Paul produces? His documentaries. Do you think that he's a good doc? You love them? Yes. I love them. I want to see Weed so bad. Oh, I don't remember that one. Which one is this? Weed. Or The Weed. Oh, my God. Yes, that rings a bell. You haven't gotten that far yet in your recapping. I remember that from being a kid. It pops up over two seasons, I think, because Uh he keeps trying to shoot it, and then he wins awards, (laughs) and they want him to do a sequel, and it's, oh, my God. (laughs) It's about a weed? Yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) Growing out of the sidewalk. Again, Russ, <laughs> I know that sounds stupid to you. I think that might be fascinating. I want to see it so bad. I want it to be a real movie. So, Mariah, you want to see A Day in the Life of a Button? Yes. <laughs> I, I do. Want, I want to see that. Okay, great. Well, um, have you seen Schmata? <laughs> uh, <laughs> the HBO documentary about the fashion district? I still got to watch that. Mm-hmm. It's the closest thing I think we have to A Day in the Life of the Button. Okay. Um, New York at Night sounds amazing. Yep, his his New York at Night documentary. Um, I'm trying to remember what are some of his... Oh, uh, what's the one... What does he wind up doing with uh, for Yoko? Is it The Wind? Oh, oh yeah. That's yes. later, I think, right? That would be a great film. Yeah. I'm sure something similar exists. I want you to film The Wind. Or, <laughs> or his weird... Uh, documentary where he is the middle of a pane of glass basically looking back in on itself where he's uh, the window yes oh yeah. my wait that's a that's a pitch right he that's never a, makes where it. he 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 gets inspired yes and he's just like i figured it out i'm where i'm, I'm not outside the window i'm not inside the right. I'm, I'm the window i'm in the window that's i'm looking right. back in it uh, myself and yep yeah. which i feel like go ahead oh i was gonna say i would also really like to see buckman oh I've I've considered trying to make a Buckman several times of my family. I mean, doesn't everyone oh, want to yeah, do that? Yeah. Like, and then I never get the courage to ask the questions you want to ask. I've thought about you it. You know, you got to do it before they die. I so, know. Tangent: My family, um, on one side of my family, has been in California. I'm not there anymore, obviously, but they've been in California since 1880s. But on the other side of my family, on um, they, or well, it's actually all the same side, but on one side of my mom's side of the family, they came during the Dust Bowl. And the story I had always heard was that like half the family came, and one of them, the oldest guy, was in charge of bringing the donkey or the horse or something, and he it wound up falling in love and marrying somebody in Arizona, and he came 20 years later, and sorry, the donkey's dead. That's the story I'd heard. Right. What I hadn't heard, and now everyone's dead, so there's no clearing it up, was um, the families that left was the my great-grandmother... And her sister in law, and her sister in law, or her sister, or something like that. And they took all of the kids. It was like twenty kids between the two of them. Moved across the country from Texas during the Dust Bowl, leaving behind my great grandfather, but not my great uncle, great great, or my great uncle because he had died. The reason he had died was probably during an accident with, involving my great grandfather. Oh, uh-oh. What I think may have happened is my great-grandfather killed my great-uncle, and the two women were like, we're getting out of here. They left him in Texas and took the families and up and moved to California. And then no one would talk about it. Like, my mom tried to ask about it once. And so everyone's dead now who actually knew the real story. Oh, man. Wow. Right? So I'm just going to assume my great-grandfather killed my great-uncle. But um, Wait, but that is a leap, right? Well, I'll never know. Well, you, here's what you do. You're gonna track down. You're gonna go. You're gonna go to Texas. You're gonna track down I the mean, people who lived around your family. Yeah, <laughs> we're all dead. Well, the, yeah. the their descendants. descendants yeah, because yeah. you you know how neighbors gossip and talk. You Thank know you. the people ne- you, the people next door are just like you'll show up and you'll say your name and they'll be like, oh boy, do I have a story about your family? <laughs> That's wild. Wow. You gotta do your own little serial. I do. I need to find out, like, what happened. Because why would two women with 20 kids leave during the Great Depression a man behind who was, like, capable of right. working and, and feeding some of the kids, right? Only if he was a murderer. <laughs> End of exactly. list. Exactly. <laughs> but the one thing we did find out was that when they moved to California, my great-grandmother registered herself as a... Uh, divorced or unmarried or something like that. Oh. But my mom found my great-grandfather's... Um, like 
death certificate, and he hadn't died for another 10 years. So she didn't want anyone to know she was still married to him. It's all weird. That is very mysterious. I love digging through this stuff. Mm -hmm. We found out my... This isn't... You know what? It's not even worth my... It's so uninteresting compared to the murder (laughs) story you just told. But my great-grandfather came Have you heard about my great-grandfather's library book? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. He He could not find it. He faked his citizenship. That's it. Your story's good, too, His Ellis Island paper says he's from (laughs) Illinois, but he's not from Illinois. He's from Sicily. (laughs) The most from Sicily. My mom was like, Illinois? It says that? He can barely speak English. (laughs) He didn't kill anyone. (laughs) News fest. Yeah. Um, great. So it's two against one, I'd say, in terms of uh, being fans of of Paul's work. Yeah, I guess you're right. I guess you're right. No, it's not a contest. No, it, it, I'm, I seem to be making it a contest, <laughs> so I'll take my lumps. Well, it's a good thing you're not on the silver sprocket voting board. That's very true. Who knows Who knows whose story we'd be following <laughs> if I was in charge of things. <laughs> um, any other Mad About Yui things you wanted to mention? Yeah, um, there was one other film, and I think you guys just covered this episode. Uh, the episode where they don't meet. Like the universe where they don't meet um, at the end of season two. Oh, we, we are about we're, to. We're about That's to, the next yes. episode. Oh, you're about to. Okay, spoilers. But um, in it, you find out he gets a, a framed poster of Attack of the Fidgetfoot Woman as a gift. Oh, sure. Oh, cool. You, you, you find out that that was the first film Paul ever saw. Hmm. And mm. I feel like as a child, that would be a great film to watch. It is so cheesy, but also really wonderful. What could drive you to want to capture reality as a documentarian more than yeah. the most absurd science fiction premise? It's only 65 minutes long. That's weird. It, like, makes every minute count. There's a couple of these really short film, like short sci-fi-ish horror films, like The Most Dangerous Game. It's also, like, 66 minutes. Oh, is that based on the short like, story? Yeah. Yeah. It's from the 30s. It's really good. Um, Joel McRae, it's the same uh, group that filmed King Kong. They like made this movie at the oh, same okay. time. And um, not a wasted minute. Right. Am I nuts or did uh, Roald Dahl write The Most Dangerous Game? I don't think that's nuts. I don't know if it's right, but I don't think it's nuts. <laughs> well, I appreciate you. I appreciate that. Roald Dahl wrote a short story that's often, I think, included in anthologies with the most dangerous game about a man who makes a bet with another man about his lighter lighting, and if it doesn't light, he's going to cut his finger off. I know he wrote that, and that got turned into uh, one of the that got turned into Quentin Tarantino's piece in Four Rooms. Really? Yeah, he he used that as an impetus. Yeah, it's basically that. Interesting. Yeah, I never saw Four. Well, I did when I was a kid, and it did not no. make sense. No, no, it would not. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the most dangerous game was Richard was Richard Connell Connell. Read Connell. Don't know. Yes. Me neither. Good story. (laughs) Short storyist, I guess. He wrote a lot for Colliers, according to uh, Wikipedia. Oh. Okay. No. That's a good old fashioned job for a writer. (laughs) Wonderful. Yeah, the most dangerous game is really, really good, and supposedly the favorite film of the Zodiac Killer. So. How do we know his favorite movie? Um, based on. Various people who may or may not have been the Zodiac. It's so funny. We don't know a thing about this guy except we know. <laughs> uh, no, I think uh, he, he those... references the most dangerous game in his letters. Right, right, right. That was another cipher. Yeah. <laughs> this is the Zodiac. Let me tell you my favorite books <laughs> of 1958. Yeah. If yeah, if I was to make a Diddy profile, these are the answers. <laughs> By the way, have you ever seen Attack of the 50-Foot Woman? <laughs> anyway. It makes every moment count. Oh, uh, yes, God. but I'm a murderer. Back to that. Wait, you grew up in San Francisco? Uh, no, but I lived in the Bay Area for about 10 years. Oh, God. Wait, when? Maybe I was, I bet uh, I was there at the same time. From, well, I lived in Berkeley from 2004 to 2008. And then I lived in San Francisco from 2008 to 2009. And then there was a two-year gap. And then I moved back to San Francisco 2011 through 2013. Missed you by a year. Ah. Ah. 
We might have, because I was a, I was, uh, I was taking, let's say, I took some classes at the film society uh-huh. or whatever. Boy, times I didn't changed. know you were educated in this stuff. <laughs> I thought you were just an enthusiast. No, I, I forget what it was. It was like the San Francisco film whatever, and they teach you how to make movies. Oh, the film whatever. Forget yeah. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not impressed anymore. Forget it. <laughs> no, the film whatever is big. <laughs> Very big. And I drag my friends. The SF, the SFFW. <laughs> Uh, did you ever go to that old? There's a great old movie house in Palo Alto on uh, oh the main drag University Avenue. Yeah, I, I know that theater. I never made it because I never had a car. Oh, and Palo Alto is not that easy no. to get to on all the public trans. I dragged my friend to see some Hitchcock movie there, and they did not like it. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have that problem? Uh I generally see movies by myself for that very reason. That's the simplest. Sure. That's right. So <laughs> I, yeah, I, I took I've, that I've up. I've been in enough, like, post, like, my, the, basically it was, it was 2007, picture 2007. Yep. Easy. And uh, I'm Not There came out. Right. The Bob Dylan, quote unquote, biopic. Yes. Really biopic. It's just, you know, what it is what it is. It's a Tom Hayes movie. And um, I wanted to go see it, and it came out during Thanksgiving break. My friends were like, wait for us, we're coming back. And I was like, okay, fine. So we waited, we went and saw the movie together, and then we were driving back to the apartments in this really cold car that was my friend's car, and they all hated the movie, and they kept talking about how much they hated it, and I really loved it. And I was like, I'm cold, and I'm irritated, and I could have seen this movie by myself. I'm done with this. And so now (laughs) that was like the last time I really waited to see movies with friends unless I knew that we were all going to have the same opinion. I think that's smart. Absolutely. I've, I don't like I've it. spent how many hours of entertainment looking around at the people yeah. I'm with to see Are they enjoying whether it? or not they're enjoying it. And yeah, it's, it's freeing. To I went like. on a date with a girl in college to the Columbus Art Museum. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, you got to see this movie, Magnolia. Mm-hmm. And we went back to my apartment and we watched Magnolia. And mm-hmm. three hours and two minutes in, she got up and said, I can't take this anymore. <laughs> and she left. <laughs> and then she wrote a two page poem about what a nightmare, like Whoa. how long and weird it was. And gave it to me. I'm sorry. Wasn't it didn't work like out. almost over at that point? Yes, that's what blew my mind. I was like, you don't understand. Wait. You're so close to the end. You weren't joking? <laughs> No, I thought you were saying she watched the whole thing and no. then left. She she left with no, because like, it's like three hours and fifteen minutes. I oh think. my no, she god! Left. It was so close. Did she make it to frogs? I don't. Well, I don't remember. This was a long time ago. You remember three hours and two minutes? Well, you don't that makes sense. I remember it was three and change. <laughs> Let me put it that way. Oh my gosh! Um, this this was very fun. What a hoot! Will you, uh, we, can we, we'll do more of these, I think. I would love to. Right? They never stop talking about movies on this show. Oh, yeah. I've got a lot of notes here, so. Oh, fantastic. Oh, uh, save so them. Many, Keep them. So many references. Thank you so much for talking to us, Brian. Yeah. This has been a, a real blast. Yeah, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for doing the show and keeping the love for Mad About You alive. Oh, it is our pleasure and our lot. In it life. is a flame that <laughs> is only growing. Yeah, it's true. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug? Uh, ooh, plug. Your Twitter, your... Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess if... my Twitter is where I'm most active these days. It's, um, at Old Films Flickr. Um, but I will point out that when I came up with my internet name, I'm a, like a hacker, a hacker name, um, it had nothing to do with old movies. Are it's you serious? It's actually a serious? lyric from a Libertine song that I really liked. R- Russ, you know wow. Libertines? I don't, I don't know, know the Libertines. Cool. Libertines, they're a British band. They kind of broke up because Pete Doherty went to prison for robbing his own uh, bandmate. That'll happen. Um, and now he's a felon and can't play in America, so there you go. But they have a lyric that goes, um, they watched old film Slicker across an old movie screen, and I just really liked the way that sounded. So that was my Twitter handle, and it was sort of before I got really obsessed with old movies. But now it works out because I'm obsessed with old movies. So. That's insane synchronicity. I'm gonna say that there <laughs> there was some uh, uh, something deeper. In yeah, a little bit. Something something worked its magic on you without you uh, knowing about it. Something subconscious. I you. am incredibly envious of your handle because it is very evocative. I'll tell you. Old you film can, flicker. Yeah, I miss the flicker of old films, and that's why I love yeah. going to I love going to movies, old movies because of that. You can steal this and just go old film flicker, old film flickers. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I'll just be old films flicker eighty yeah. three. Yeah, just start a start a war. What a monster move! Yeah. <laughs> um. Wait. Also, you created hashtags. Yeah. So, well, so one of them has sort of a weird thing. Uh, we'll talk about two of the hashtags. The third one started with me, and now it's a different thing. But I you started female filmmaker bio. Friday. Is that the third but, one? So, <laughs> that's the one that everyone uses now, but um, because it's a bunch huge, of female filmmakers are using it now. But I, I actually created about four years ago when I had a, a blog post or a blog feature called Female, female Filmmaker Friday, uh-huh. and then uh, a couple years after that, I had a podcast called Female Filmmaker Friday. No so that's kidding. what it says I started the hashtag because that's when the hashtag originated. But now it's taken on a whole new meaning, and sure. I refuse to take it off my bio. But the other two. Um, haven't turned into anything else. They're still mine. Um, and A Year with Women was a year where I spent 2015 only watching films directed by women for the entire year. Wow. That's great. Um, yeah, and it included uh, rewatches, so, like, uh, everything. It was a lot, and it was a really reflective, wonderful year. And then November um, is a month-long sort of online holiday celebrating film noir, that um, is celebrating its ninth year this November. Um, and basically, it started when I was like living in the back of my parents' house as a, as a boomerang child post-college, pre-grad school. Sure. And um, I was trying to catch up with film noir, and I had found a list, and I was like, I'm going to watch through this list. And then, I, you know, it's the internet. So I was like, do it with me. And so I used this hashtag and tried to get people to watch the movies with me, and like literally two people watched two <laughs> movies with me, and yeah. I watched all the others by myself. Um, but now, um, cut to nine years later, um, not only are lots of people using it, um, we actually mentioned it um, on Noir Alley, um, which was great. Wow. And yeah, it was really it was really awesome that they were like, yeah, let's do this. And yeah. then uh, there was a mini, um, among the many things, that, like, there's a, it shows up all over the place now every year, but there was a mini like four-day film festival in Czechoslovakia. The uh-huh. Czech Republic, whatever it's called now. Yeah, Republic. Um, Czech Republic, where, where they showed Noir Vember films and they like talked about me in Czech and I had to like uh, translate it and they, they called me a like a rabid cinephile or something like that. Ooh, that's like, fun. Okay, wow. I'll take it. So so Noir Vember is great. Um, there's no wrong way to do Noir Vember. It's basically just celebrate film noir for the entire month sure. of November any way you want to, whether it's reading them, watching new ones, watching old ones, watching them online, posting pictures, trivia, whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter. What are some of your faves? Oh, my God, so many. Um, probably Laura is my all-time oh, favorite Laura. film noir. Yeah, I love Laura. Um, I love Sweet Smell of Success. Uh-huh. Uh, I rewatch that one every year. Um, I love the Third Man. Third Man, um, that's right. Third Man. You seen that one? Yeah, I know of it. Yeah. Oh, it's good. It's good. Um, when you mentioned Laura and Sweet Smell of Success, I'm like, star. oh, Laura is a Billy Joel song, I know, and Sweet Smell of Success was a Michael J. Fox movie. True. And uh, those are the worst versions of both of those <laughs> things. I'm Not sure. necessarily. <laughs> I think that Michael J. Fox is secret of my success. You're right. I'm wrong. As I was saying it, I was like, I don't, I think I'm confused in my own head. And I think every time I've heard people talk about how much they love Sweet Smell of Success, I'm like, with Michael J. Fox? I don't think that's right, Russ. That's so funny. And now I'm saying it publicly. It's <laughs> a good one. I've actually seen that Michael J. Fox movie. It's a good one. He, he's a lot of bed hopping in that he does. If I'm, you are absolutely. Yes, good. he really does. Mm-hmm. Um, Mariah, please recommend uh, one old movie for Madam for for the Rise Guys and Rise Gals out there to uh, to watch. Oh well, okay. The main one obviously would be Casablanca if you haven't already seen it. It's the one they mentioned the most. It had a big, you know, impact on the couple in the show. They bring it up all the time. But also, at one point, um, they reference. Um, where is it? The Champ. So it's in season huh. two. They talk about the Champ, but not the seventies version of the Champ. I'm talking the thirty-one version. Thirty-one. Yeah. yeah. So the Champ will make you cry. I've seen it's clips cool. of this, and it's uh, th- those made me cry. It's really good. Yeah. Uh, Wallace Beery is a wrestler, and he has you know his kid. 
played by Jackie Cooper, it, it will it will make you cry. And uh, it's the only time two actors tied for Best Actor at the Academy Awards, and it was wow. a technical tie because I think uh, Friedrich March had like one vote more, and so they gave him both the award. Interesting. So if, you, if you want to, you could do a double feature and watch The Champ, and then watch Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Also a really good film, 1931. Oh, I like this plan. That's a um, dark double feature, but you could do it. One will make you cry, and the other one will make you go, how did they do that? Because the makeup effects on Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, 1931. Oh, interesting. Brilliant. Very cool. Absolutely brilliant. We will do it. Everybody else do it, too. I just got an idea for the next time we do this. Yeah, it's, uh, I got the same idea. Really? Yeah, we're going to do this thing. Oh, no. Oh. I mean, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, is it exactly what we just said? Uh, no, <laughs> I think we should do a Peter Falk episode. Okay. Because oh, Paul yeah. loves Peter Falk, and there's so in, uh, Peter Falk's and Robert and the Seven Hoods, and then all those Cassavetes films, and like he's, his folk career is fascinating. Yeah, he was in so many movies. He's in uh, Pocket Full of Miracles. The Michael J. Fox time. movie. <laughs> no. There you go. <laughs> Wait, what of miracles? Pocket full of miracles. It's the Glenn Ford. Ah, making. Okay. Yes. Perfect. I think he might have got an Oscar nomination for that. Actually, yeah, he was. He got an Oscar nomination for Pocket Full of Miracles. There you go. All Peter Falk. I didn't know he ever got nominated. Good for him. Yeah. Good for us he's, all. He's playing like a comedic, uh, tough guy. My favorite. My favorite <laughs> archetype. There you go. Uh, well, Mariah, thank you so much for joining us. Absolutely. We can't wait to do it again. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'll come up with more obscure old movies for you guys to talk about next time. I mean, I, I, now I just want to pick your brain about silent film for hours. <laughs> and what is it with Italy having weird collections of movies? Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that next time. No, but you know Kim's video. You remember Kim's video, Russ? In the East Village? Okay, yeah. You ever hear of Kim's video, Mariah? I, yeah, I read a book called um, I Lost It at the Movie Store or the Rental Store or something like that. And it was all people talking about video stores. Ooh, and they talk a fun. lot about Kim's video. Well, they, that. they have tens of thousands of films. Yeah. It was right a rental near, house. Right in, near NYU, right? Yeah, it was in St. Mark's Place. Yeah. They closed uh, seven, eight years ago. And they put their entire collection up for auction. And a tiny town in Italy bought it. Wow. So all was of it, the films was live it in... I don't remember, but maybe. Might, might have been. The biggest film town in Italy, huh? Oh, cool. Anyway. See, anyway. I can't stop. Okay, let's go. <laughs> We've got a theme song. It sounds like this. It's by John D. Ivy. Thank you so much, John. We have a logo. It is by Mr. Nathan Diffie. You can find him on Twitter at Nathan D-I-F-F-E-E. This sound was not mixed by me or anyone, but right. normally it's mixed by Vuk Ivanovich. Thanks in theory, Vuk. Oh, Mariah, you want to do the slogan with us? Or what do we call it? A catchphrase? Our, our sign-off. Uh, yeah, our sign-off. <laughs> rise guys and rise gals, thank you so much for listening. This has been a Mad About Mad About You maxi mini episode. We will be back with a normal old episode to close out season two very, very soon. Uh, until then, uh, I'm Russ Fader. And I'm John Marbley. And, and this, this is, is what we're saying. saying. Mariah, join in. I tried, but it was hard. <laughs> <laughs> you close it out, Mariah. Okay. This is what we're saying. Perfect. <laughs> Thanks, guys.